0: Welcome to another special edition of the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Kate Calusiestes, one of the pastors on staff. Our ministry of worship continues even though the circumstances around the COVID-19 pandemic have caused us to cancel our in-person gatherings for the time being. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open and affirming congregation. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our messages, we hope that you will find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your journey of faith. We invite you to listen with us now.
1: If you are among the many uh, faithful folks whose prayer life has consisted mostly of please and thank you, the prayer practice of lament may come as a shock. As Price Calusi Estes put it in last Wednesday's midweek video, lament is like mourning only louder, yes. Or in the words of my Old Testament professor, lament is relentless protest that does not hold back. Lament can be relentless because it is grounded in the belief that God will respond. Lament is protest because it absolutely refuses to accept things the way they are. And lament feels no need to hold back because it grows out of a relationship with God who is faithful. In today's first scripture reading, we hear about the enslaved Israelites. These were people whose babies had been thrown into the River Nile. They did not live in a please and thank you relationship with God. The book book of Exodus tells us that they groaned in anguish. They cried out in anger. They relentlessly protested without holding back. They lamented. And God understood. God received their grief, honored their anger, and answered their anguished cry for help. You likely know what happens next. Moses in the burning bush, Moses telling Pharaoh, let my people go, the 10 plagues, the 40 years in the wilderness, the promised land. All of that grows from this catalytic encounter between the people and their God. Those grieving people hurl themselves and their plight at God because they know that God can take it. And they trust that God will understand The Bible not only suggests that God can take it, that God can handle more than please and thank you prayers, the Bible actually encourages lament. The Book of Psalms includes more lament psalms than praise psalms or thanksgiving psalms or anything else. And as the Bible teaches lament, it does so with keeping in view the complex relationship we have with our Creator. One thing about psalms of lament is that after railing at God, really letting it all out, the prayers suddenly shift into declarations of trust and even praise. Psalm 13, the premier example of a lament psalm, begins, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Mourning, only louder, But just five verses later, it concludes, I will sing to the Lord because God has dealt bountifully with me. Lament rises within our relationship with God. In fact, one benefit of lament is that it connects us with God. It counteracts our sense of helplessness. We may not be able to fix the situation, but we can name the pain and complain to God, loudly. As we on staff have built this worship service to make space for your laments, we've also seen the ways that lament is not only relentless protest that does not hold back, but it is also a way that people can speak on God's behalf. What I mean is that the Bible states that God grieves and God gets angry and we could interpret that theologically as suggesting that we are called to get grieved and angry by what grieves and angers God. And I am sure that this pandemic grieves and angers God. Many of us myself included, are privileged in ways that have made this pandemic bearable. My personal pandemic prayers have often been please and thank you prayers. Please, oh God, continue to keep my dear ones safe. Thank you, oh God, that we have a home and meaningful work. But while I have been inconvenienced by COVID, Innumerable others have catastrophic cause for lament that demand my empathy. As their sister in Christ, I need to lament for all of the workers we deem essential, but don't really value. I need to lament for the performing artists who have not been in a theater for a year. For all the students who haven't been in a classroom for a year, and for their parents and teachers striving to keep love of learning alive. I need to lament for neighbors facing hunger, eviction, domestic violence. We know all of that grieves and angers God, but I'd lost track of the need to lament until I heard an interview this past week with a man who has been a hospital nurse long enough that he has now reached retirement age. And in all of that time of his nursing career, he had never had a patient die in his care. In the past year, he has lost 3,000 patients. I cannot neglect such lament. Church, we are called to lament our losses and the losses beyond our own, to relentlessly protest without holding back as we lift our whole hurting world into the healing light of the God who stays with us, even in our lamenting, even in our mourning, no matter how loud we get. To extract such a hopeful passage from the book of Jeremiah took some serious cherry-picking, because Jeremiah is a bleak text. But finding hope in the midst of bleakness is pretty much the point, isn't it? When life is at its bleakest is when we most need hope. For Jeremiah's people, Jerusalem had been demolished, the Jews had been divided and conquered, their leaders had been executed or exiled, It was bleak, so much so that Hebrew Bible scholar Kathleen O'Connor has used the mental health discipline known as trauma and disaster studies as she has approached the book of Jeremiah. She asserts that this ancient text uses prototypes of techniques now deployed in treating PTSD. O'Connor writes, before hope can appear, Survivors of disaster have to find language to tell of it. They have to grieve accumulations of loss and begin to place the catastrophe into larger frames of meaning. She continues, hope in Jeremiah is not optimism, but get this, unbidden, unexpected, revelation of divine love. Surely, that's the sort of hope needed as we deal with this pandemic's accumulation of loss and as we begin to place the COVID catastrophe into larger frames of meaning. Now, because we tend to use the word hope easily, conflating it with wishful thinking or getting what we want, it can be seen as lightweight. I remember in 2008, when Barack Obama's campaign included that famous poster emblazoned with the single word, hope. One of my friends who supported John McCain would mutter under her breath, what? He's just gonna hope things into being? But the hope that Jeremiah hints at, the hope we need in the midst of COVID, the hope we focus on in the midst of Lent, that kind of hope is more durable than wishing, more profound than wanting. It is what we mean when we describe ourselves as an Easter people, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is hope's ultimate expression. We have been given a hope that is grounded in the God we meet in the story of God's people and the God we know through the earthly life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah hoped in God's future, because he knew God's past. And I actually wonder if this current time could be a watershed that future generations of covenant Presbyterians will look back upon and say, God brought this church through COVID, empowering us to become more resilient, more innovative, more faithful in what really matters. Therefore, we trust that God will get us through whatever else may befall I've been pondering our hopes, our wishes and wants, our causes for hopefulness, and all the ways that all of that is grounded in the God who connects us, even when we're apart. Here are some of my hopes. I hope we can all be together in this sanctuary. Can I get an amen? amen. I hope that Clark and I can be with both our sons anywhere. Amen. <laughs> I hope that we can come up with something way better for my mother's 94th birthday than the Zoom call that we had to settle for, for her 93rd birthday. Those are things that I really, really want. And I am hopeful about them when I think about vaccines and herd immunity, when I think about policies that are grounded in science and built with compassion. Those are reasons to think that my hopes are not just wishful thinking but the source of my hope, at least when my faith is having a good day. The source of my hope is infinitely greater. My hope, my upper case H hope, is the certainty that the God who created life and beauty and humankind values and loves those creations. That the God who led the Israelites out of Egypt will lead us out of this. That the God who promised, I will be with you always to the end of the age, really meant it. I hope because the Lenten calendar is not the only thing that ends with resurrection. Resurrection, which is the greatest ground of hope which is the ultimate, unbidden, unexpected revelation of divine love, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. We would normally invite you to worship with us in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. But while we weather the storm of the COVID-19 pandemic, we invite you to worship with us live on Facebook or YouTube. And please visit our website, covpresatl.org for more information as well as our full archive of recorded services to learn more about us and to get in touch with us. We wish you well in these times of upheaval. Grace and peace to you.